the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler and Dr. Kathy Greenberg is on the line. She'll join us in just a second. And we are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. Today we have a really great topic that we're going to talk about that both Kathy and I have a lot of experience in, the power and possibilities of executive coaching. In this show, we will discuss the fundamentals of executive coaching. Many of you may have wondered, what is executive coaching? Well, this show will tell you about that. What are the competencies, capabilities, and chemistries of a great coach? What is coaching and why is it important for your career development? What does a coaching session look like? What makes a great coaching client? And how is coaching different than mentoring or therapy? What are some of the emotional intelligence and new science of happiness strategies and tools um, that are used today in coaching? So these will be the questions that we'll focus on in the show. And welcome, Kathy. Hello, Riley. Hello, everyone. How is everybody today? Hope you're doing well. Riley and I really want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide really evidence-based best practices to help all of you develop more leaders in your organization. We know leaders are really the heartbeat of any organization, and most leaders tend to estimate just how much influence they have over others. And thus, they and their teams can underperform. Doing a few things differently can drastically improve your performance and your organization. What you'll learn in these shows are how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation, and gender differences. This is um, one of the things we're going to highlight in our future shows. Work-life balance practices, don't we all need those? Strategies in managing your boss and self-management tools to be your absolute best, plus many more tools and tips. So before we really get into the ins and outs of executive coaching, Kathy and I like to just give you a base or a foundation for leadership development, given that we're both interested in research and making this evidence-based. So when we look at leadership uh, and performance, you can increase performance by as much as 77% while increasing your life and professional satisfaction by as much as 50% with coaching, the topic we'll talk about today. You can also increase profit by creating coaching networks inside your company in just one day. Studies have shown that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. Kathy's going to talk more about that as we get into the show. Leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team, incredibly powerful over the team. And the reason is emotions are contagious. Leaders are the emotional thermostat for the team. And when we talk about being a star performer, that's someone who's performing in the top 10%. And typically the way someone moves up the corporate ladder is with emotional intelligence. When you look at the aspect of emotional intelligence... Uh, compared to IQ and technical expertise, emotional intelligence 
adds to someone's success as much as 85%. So you look at the factors of success, 85% of them are emotional intelligence versus IQ or technical expertise. And then leaders in the top 10% produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percent. So that's the whole focus. How do you get more people in the top 10%? And today we're going to talk about training. And when training is added, uh, or we're talking about coaching, and when coaching is added to training, a person's productivity is enhanced by 88%. If you just give them training alone, it's about 22%. So adding the individual or executive coaching to that can enhance your training. And we hope that you'll get a few what we call micro-initiatives, few things that you can do that will have a macro impact. And so let me just uh, introduce Kathy here. Um, many of you already know her, but she is an international recognized authority on leadership and human behavior. She's an executive coach, an author, and trainer. Currently a founding partner uh, in a new venture, HT, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, H2C. She has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, London Times, and Financial Times, and even Australia is the boss. Her most recent book, What Happy Women Know, she'll talk a little bit later, uh, is featured in Oprah, and she also co-authored What Happy Companies Know, How the New Science of Happiness Can Change Your Company for the Better. So we'll hear more about this from Kathy. Thanks, Riley. Um Let me also take an opportunity here to introduce Relly. I'm sure many of you have been following Relly. Uh, over the past several months, but I'm not sure if you know a lot about Relly. He is a licensed psychologist. He is a master executive coach with the International Coach Federation, which is really one of the highest honors and licensing you can hold with the International Coaching Federation. And he's on the faculty of the College of Executive Coaching, and that's where I met Relly. His book, Leader's Playbook, How to Apply Emotional Intelligence Keys to Great Leadership, is a terrific handbook, and if you don't have it, you need to get it. His book gives leaders over 100 hands-on strategies to develop the emotional intelligence, which we're going to talk about today, for themselves, their team, and direct reports. He's designed and led leadership programs with CEOs and their teams, VIPs, and emerging leaders throughout the nation. For more leadership and coaching information for your organization, you can either contact me, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, at www.h2cleadership.com for any information on our happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. And don't forget to visit Dr. Relly Nadler at www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camp. Well, thanks, Kathy. And... Um... For our listeners, Kathy and I have talked about this topic. We're both uh, executive coaches. We've been working in organizations for uh, a long, long time, you know, both of us over 10 to 12 years. And we thought that we would, instead of having a guest today, to interview uh, each other. So we'll both be chiming in around some of the key questions, concepts uh, around executive coaching. All right. What I'd like to start out with is a little bit of background on your book, Rully. We, uh, we know that this is a terrific book. Can you tell us about why you wrote Leader's Playbook and who is it really designed for? Okay, great. Well, let me start with the, the last part. It's really designed for leaders. Um, I think many coaches are interested in it, but it really is designed for leaders. And the reason that um, I wrote it, when I got trained in emotional intelligence and trained in, in a 360 feedback that was co-authored by Daniel Goleman, Richard Biotis, and the Hay Group, um, 
on how to measure emotional intelligence, the emotional competence inventory, there wasn't a lot of how do you raise emotional intelligence. So I was, being a practitioner in the field, was out looking for, okay, now I know where someone is on these competencies, but what do I do as an executive coach to raise it? And I was not really able to find the book um, that I was looking for or the material. And it gave me the uh, impetus to say, you know, I should write this. I'm already doing a lot of these things, putting together my whole toolkit. Why don't I write the book um, that I was looking for? So it's designed for ideally leaders at, at any level who may not have the background, you know, as we do to coach, but how to put it in really simple terms of what are some of the tools, strategies they can use to raise their emotional intelligence, the emotional intelligence of their direct reports, and then there's a, a series of activities to help their team raise their emotional intelligence. Let me ask you just a couple questions about the book, if I may. Sure. Um, one of the things that you have as a kind of a, a product that comes out of the book um, are a set of keys, leadership mm. keys. Can you talk about those yeah. very briefly? And where those came out of was some of the training that I've done. You know, typically there would be a big notebook, and, and people say, can we just get maybe the shortcut uh, on some of these? These tools you have are really good. So what, uh, Kathy, you're referring to are the leadership keys, and they're what I would call desk reference cards. There's 11 of them. They're held by a little keychain. And it's something that someone can keep at their desk, at their cubicle, to refer to basic skills that leaders do every day. So a few of the things in there are things like um, how to delegate, how to give feedback. There's a coaching tool. There are some things around decision-making. There's a self-management tool. So it really highlights some of the key uh, EI competencies, but it's a ready handy tool that someone can have, look at it for a minute or two before someone comes in just to brief themselves on how to give feedback or how to coach. And also, really, uh, your book, uh, Leader's Playbook, um, you can access uh, through your website, and people can go onto the website and actually uh, look at some of the tools that are in the book and make some decisions about how they want to use those, and then they can actually acquire the book online as well. Is that true? Yep. So they go to my website, www.truenorthleadership.com. There's a shopping cart there with a lot of the EI tools. They can also get the book, The Leader's Playbook, on, on Amazon. Well, I think that um, I've been using those tools, you know, for, for a little while now, and I think that uh, they're just a, a huge um, helpful toolkit for people. I don't think uh, they're very hard to use. I think they're very intuitive. Um, I think you've done a terrific job of making those tools accessible to people as well. So I think we should encourage everybody who's listening today to take a look at them. And, and even if they're not professional coaches, I think they're totally usable, don't you? Yeah, I think that's the goal is for, for a leader. I think like you and I know most leaders, unless they've had coaching like that we do or leadership development, how are they supposed to know how to delegate? How are they magically supposed to know, you know how to coach folks? So this is really, I see at least my focus on really giving people a prescription, a step-by-step uh, process of how to do some basic leadership skills that everybody should know, but often they don't. And can I ask you one more yes. question? <laughs> Sorry to be so uh, intrusive here. I'm just uh, okay. one of those people that, that loves the subject of emotional intelligence. How did you start in the world of emotional intelligence? Well, um, actually, Kathy, my master's was a pre-emotional intelligence master's. It was a program called Confluent. This is in the 70s, and it was Confluence is where two things come together. Well, it was where thinking and feeling came together, and obviously we're all educated uh, and thinking. So it really was a looking at the affect, you know, and, and how does 
your emotions tie to your personal growth, to leadership. So it was really, it wasn't called emotional intelligence then, but in the uh, mid-'70s when I got my master's here in Santa Barbara. Um, and then when the book came out in 1995, uh, Goldman's first book, Emotional Intelligence, as I was reading it, a lot of it was education-related, and I kept flashing back saying, wow, this is what I learned 20 years ago um, in an educational setting. And then from there, you know, read all the books and then started, because I was in organizations, and I started applying it to organizations. Well, I guess we'll uh, go to a break on that. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about emotional intelligence and leaders' playbook. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I open as leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I open as leaky doors, cried the second. I open as the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News with Dr. Relly Nadler and Dr. Kathy Greenberg. Now, I get the opportunity to ask Kathy about some of her work. So this is really fun for us to flip-flop here. And so, Kathy, um, you have a couple of very popular books, um, and one of them is What Happy Companies Know, and the other is What Happy Women Know. 
So maybe let's start with uh, what happy companies know. You know, who is this designed for? Maybe give us a little bit about the background and how that came about. Sure. Well, first of all, really, the um, the whole concept around happy companies uh, comes from the new science of happiness and positive psychology. And as you know, at the College of Executive Coaching, where we were introduced, this wealth and body of information is slowly but surely getting its way through tools and techniques back into corporate America. But um, we tried to take something that is very new and build around the concepts of corporate universities and corporate education, um, what a happy company is and how you can become a happy company using those kinds of tools and techniques with a new science of happiness slant on them. What's very interesting to me is cumulatively corporate wrongdoing in the last decade has caused more total economic harm than terrorist attacks against the United States. That's a huge statistic. Wow, that's huge. And yeah. you say it has done more wrongdoing by kind of just the cost? Uh, by by the fact that the cost that has taken a toll on our economic oh. harm, and only only really the direct human death toll of 9-11 makes the terrorist actions more grievous or horrifying. Mm. Because if you look at the fallout from the loss of jobs right. and the economy um, that has occurred, I mean, now we're in the subprime market fallout. Um, you know, mm-hmm. these things are extremely damaging. Um, you know, if we look at the the history of what's happened in real business, if Enron's senior executives had taken all that energy that they had in hiding things mm-hmm. and put it into addressing the real business opportunities that that company had, wouldn't they have made just as much money and felt a whole lot better about themselves? Sure, they definitely So when we talk about what happy companies know, it's not about singing kumbaya. Uh, a happy company is an organization in which individuals at all levels of authority exhibit a diversity of strengths and constructively work together toward a common goal. They find significant meaning and satisfaction in producing and providing high-quality products and services both for profit and through these products and services make a positive difference in their lives and in the lives of others, including the communities they serve. So happiness is not a mood. Uh, moods are biochemically regulated. Mm. It's not an emotion. Emotions are subject to situational influence. But happiness is an approach to life. And happiness is knowing what is truly important and living in accordance with what is important to you and delivering your sense of purpose. So what happy companies know was written for the general lay person who goes to work, who may be an employer, who may be a stockholder, a shareholder, or who simply is interested in how to develop a better company culture. And what I appreciate about your book, uh, What Happy Companies Are, is just the, the wealth of experience. You and I both know, you know, being in the leadership field, a lot of people write about kind of their own theories, but, but what I like about that you've done is really is a kind of research base, and maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, some of the research where, where this came from. Oh, sure. Well, um, what we didn't say in my background, which may surprise our listeners, is I'm a classically trained physical anthropologist, mm-hmm. and uh, my degree is a behavioral science degree from Rutgers University, and uh, I was very fortunate to have an interdisciplinary team of uh, academics help me through my career, which included uh, sociologists, biologists, psychologists, and anthropologists, as well as women's studies experts. And the human brain cannot process fear and appreciation simultaneously. Let me say that again. Mm. 
the human brain cannot process fear and appreciation simultaneously. And that means the brain is mostly hardwired for hard times. And as a result, we have a very archaic brain, and its processes are focused more on surviving than on thriving. Mm -hmm. And so we know that um, much of what happens in corporate America is fear-based, and if we don't learn how to overcome those, you know, kind of stressful, fear-based situations, uh, we could put ourselves at risk in a health fashion. And so the statistics um, on unhappiness and how it affects work are astronomical. Let me give you a couple of data points. Stress in the workplace is responsible for 19% of absenteeism, 40% of workplace turnover, 30% of disability costs, and 60% of workplace accidents. Now, that's a data that comes from Chrysalis, which is a Canadian consulting firm. So that alone will give you some insight. But business people frequently complain about not having enough time. Mm -hmm. But but time is actually the greatest equalizer any of us have. We all have precisely 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And knowing how to properly prioritize projects separates the effective leaders from those that work with great energy but seldom achieving lasting success. And so when we focus on the right priorities, we are focusing on those things that deliver on our sense of purpose. And as a result, we can lower our stress, and then we can actually move further away from that hardwired biologically mm-hmm. for hard times when scarcity you know, starts to prevail in our minds and in our workplace. Well, that's some huge statistics, and I think everybody at, stress, uh, everybody at work has stress, in it, and it's almost a badge of how uh, busy they are. And so I... I it seems like with your work around happiness, it really is looking at that, how it overlaps with the uh, emotional intelligence, really l- looking at self-management. How do they really manage themselves on some of the things like you're saying as far as uh, time management and values and what's, what's important? Oh, exactly. And that's why I thought it was such a great opportunity to do this program, Leadership Development News, and have an expert on emotional intelligence like yourself and then someone who has some inkling about what life is like inside of corporate America because I was a managing partner um, in two of the world's largest consulting firms, both Computer Sciences Corporation and at Accenture. Uh, And although I tried to retire in 2003 and now I'm doing this work, the, um, the marriage of emotional intelligence and the new science of happiness, I think, is going to be a tremendous enabler um, for the workplace. Let me give you another statistic, uh, Relly, and then sure. what I want to talk to you a little bit about is what is emotional intelligence for our audience so that we can kind of connect them. Right. We've now connected them to the workplace. I want to connect them to how emotional intelligence plays into this. Okay. But um, studies, literally, I mean, I'm, I'm quoting this from our book, studies in Japan, Finland, France, and the United States reveal alarming stress-related statistics. High levels of mental stress double the risk for stroke-related and heart-related deaths. Uh, Stressed people have a 72% greater risk of stroke. People with stressful jobs were 71% more likely to have plaque buildup in their arteries. Mm. Sustained anxiety increased thickness of blood vessels, and it was a prelude to heart disease. Now, many of us go to work every day, And we get out of bed, we put our feet on the ground, and we think, I'm going to make this the best day I can. And then we get into the office, and before 9 o'clock in the morning, we've got more emails, more voicemails, more people coming into our office space 
that have problems that they've dropped on us. And this is where I give everybody one of those great Staples Easy Buttons. You know, yeah. that, <laughs> that was easy because anybody can come in your office and drop a problem on you. Yeah. Now, this is where an executive with some emotional intelligence training can really make a difference. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Well, how this ties into exactly what you're saying, Kathy, from all this research, you know, about how stress relates uh, higher frequency of stroke and plaque buildup, that the leader has so much influence, like we said in the beginning, they typically underestimate how much influence they have over others. 50% of a person's life satisfaction comes from their relationship with their boss. So we talked about if the boss is the emotional thermostat, if they're frazzled, terse, and upset, most likely their team is frazzled, terse, terse, and upset. So it adds to, basically it adds to the stress. And then a simple definition of what is emotional intelligence, it's understanding yourself and managing yourself. So really knowing what's going on for you and then managing it. And then understanding others and managing others. And so that's important for leaders, one, to know what's going on for themselves. And emotions are nothing but chemically encoded data. And if we think about that, it's just data that's going on in our body. If we're not aware of it, we can't manage it. And how can we become aware of what's going on with others with this chemically encoded data? Sometimes other people aren't aware of it. And most of the business problems that go on in an organization are around people, unclear expectations and some of the stress that we're talking about. And so that's kind of the, the, an overview about emotional intelligence. And I think from uh, looking at the new science of happiness and emotional intelligence, you and I both are executive uh, coaches in a variety of organizations. And we thought this would be a great opportunity, um, maybe Kathy starting with you, given around happiness, emotional intelligence, and the, the wealth of tools um, that you bring as a coach, what, how would you define what is a coach? Okay. Well, you know what? Let's um, let's both uh, talk to our audience today about what is a coach and how does a coach use emotional intelligence and some of the learnings we have now okay. from the new science of happiness and apply it in the workplace. So let's let's use the rest of the show to talk about that. How about that? Yeah. All right. Good. Let me let me talk a little bit about this. A coach, to me, is someone who brings you either a sense of non-judgment, someone who can look at you without judging you. Mm -hmm. A coach is someone who also has a level of um, background and experience that is going to support you. And a coach is someone who can ask you the right questions with those two contexts, Mm -hmm. right, non-judging and some experience Mm -hmm. that can help you answer those questions deliver on your sense of purpose, and be at your best. See, few companies recognize that problem-solving is a negative rather than a positive attribute. Companies look for the negative. They always look for what's wrong Mm -hmm. rather than the positive, what's right. And the problem with problem-solving is that it diverts a company from opportunities and focuses on the past or promotes conflict and drains precious energy from the organization. So a coach should be someone who's helping an individual look at what's right, mm-hmm. build on that positive energy, focus on what's working, and deliver on that, sec- on that, that person's success. Okay, well, thanks, uh, Kathy. We're gonna, we'll continue with uh, what is a coach and what some different types of coaches, some of the differences in coaching and mentoring and therapy. 
and you're listening to Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Before every word, there is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All leaders rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look. These are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I gotta deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello, welcome back. This is Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and I'm here with Dr. Relly Nadler. And we're talking about emotional intelligence and the new science of happiness. We were just talking about what is a coach. And I want to go back to Relly and ask you, Relly, what is your definition of a coach? You've been a coach for a long time. You've had some very interesting experiences as a coach. And I want to really talk about not only what is a coach and then what are the different types of coaching and talk a little bit about that for our audience so that if they're looking for a coach, they know what to look for and who to look for. Okay, great. Um, the best definition I've had for coaching is a coach is a thinking partner. And this is from uh, uh, Robert Hargrove, who wrote a, a, some books way back when about coaching. So I like that term as a thinking partner. And what I usually say to folks that I'm coaching, what we're going to talk about are things that you talk about all, or you think about all the time. So it's not necessarily um, you know brand new area, but what is new is a couple aspects. One is we'll talk about this more in depth. So there's a whole depth aspect around a... Uh, thinking partner. We have 
set time, if it's on the phone, a uh, fair amount of coaching is on the phone, but a lot of it's face-to-face. Typically for me, it's about an hour and a half session. Um, really talking about the things that they don't get enough time, like you said earlier, Kathy, around the time management, to talk about the important things. So there's a whole depth aspect. But then the other uh, piece about uh, thinking partner is the breadth piece. How do you bring in more resources? How do I bring in more resources, more tools, more breadth of resources to what they normally think about? Because they're not on top of the leadership development uh, literature like I am and you are. So that's one of my goals is how do I bring in new information, new tools, new resources to the things they think about. So that's the second aspect is the breadth aspect. We have depth, breadth. And then the third one is an accountability. Like any kind of behavior change, whether it's exercise or, or weight, having someone there who is going to be an accountability person. So typically in coaching we give homework. There's things to try out with their team, try out with their direct reports, so that I will always you know, have that taking notes and come back to the next session and say, okay, you were going to try this. How did that work? So those are the three aspects of a thinking partner, um, the depth, the breadth, and the accountability. Okay, let me bounce a couple things off of sure. you. As a, a person uh, myself who's been a coach, um, I guess, for about a decade, um, I, would you say that a coach also helps to access an individual's naturally existing capabilities? Yes. Okay. And a coach doesn't necessarily have to come from the same field as the learner. In fact, sometimes it's helpful if they don't. Yeah. I think, like you said earlier about when you described it, is the questionings are important. And so, you know, when I first started off, I thought I had to be an expert in all these fields. And I, after a while, I realized I wasn't. But what I did realize is what I, the expertise that I was able to bring to is really help someone refine their thinking, really ask the questions that need to be asked and then having a, a wealth of resources that may help them in those areas. So that idea of a thinking partner, you know, that's where our decisions come, and, and everybody could probably spend more quality time thinking about their issues and focusing on solutions, like you said earlier, versus problems. Well, let's talk a little bit about the distinctions uh, maybe between a mentor and a coach, and let's talk about how uh, we can create coach networks. One of the things that um, I know I love to do with companies is help teach them how to create coaching networks from their frontline leaders because some of these frontline leaders, as you've just described, have natural existing capabilities not only in their industry mm-hmm. but in their own use of emotional intelligence. And we know that some of them do better than others. They become top performers and they can help their colleagues. So it is is there a difference um, between mentoring and coaching, and um, is, is a mentor different in industry? Yeah, the way I would describe a mentor, and then we can kind of get your input on it, is someone within the company that is maybe senior, has some experience, they've been, they've a wealth of uh, information about internally what works, what doesn't work in the organization. They also may have some technical ex- expertise uh, but really is, is someone I would see that someone in the company that can kind of lend the hand, uh, put the arm around an individual to really help them, you know, move through the organization, one with uh, the political awareness but also technical expertise, but also how best to thrive in that organization. Okay. So let's say a coach is different from a mentor because he or she is, is more of an external guide sharing their wisdom of their experience in a similar industry or career, but not necessarily directly related to that industry or that individual's career. 
Yes, I, okay. you know, and so I think typically it's external, although like you're saying, we are using the term internally, <clears throat> developing these coaching networks, we're just really using some of the coaching skills. It's really is, it's, it's leadership development. You know, most leaders have to develop their people, but do they have the same expertise training that they have in their technical expertise? Usually no. Okay. Let me use the analogy here of riding a bike. Hopefully everybody who's listening has had an experience riding a bike. Um, the way I would differentiate a mentor, a coach, and how about if we throw in a therapist, yeah. all right, because you have some background there. Let's say you want to buy a bike and you're trying to figure out um, how this would work. Well, a therapist would ask you, why do you want to buy a bike? Why buy the bike? Is it going to bring you a level of emotional contentment, a feeling of joy? What is it that the bike's going to do for you? Okay, A mentor would start to question how you would buy the bike. So which bike would you buy? Okay, which bike would you buy? And, and why is that particular bike good for you? All right. A coach, however, would ask the question, how will I learn to ride? So it's not necessarily about the purchase. It's not necessarily about the product being the bike, but it's how will you learn to ride it and how will you do that well? So there's the thinking partner. Does that does that map to your mm-hmm. idea of, of coaching? Yeah, yeah. I think exactly um, that the coach isn't going to come in necessarily with telling people what to do. Um, you know, it's really more helping develop, like you said, some of their innate abilities and asking the question first. So I like to say that a good coach um, asks and then drains the client's um, ideas first. They ask and drain their ideas, their solutions. So ask and drain. And then second, then you can tell and fill um, the client's bucket, if you think of these are two buckets. So ask and drain, what are their solutions, what are their ideas, what have they tried before, until they go, until there's nothing left in the bucket. Then the coach comes in from their bucket of experience and can kind of tell and fill when the, when the coachee or client is really ready, but you really kind of want to drain their own ideas until they're kind of out of loss. Then they're ready for some new information. Okay. So a coach, uh, given what we just said, uh, can often come into an organization from the outside. Um, Sometimes they're on the inside, but most often today we know that coaches come from the outside. And the relationship between the coach and the client is more of a structured working relationship based on the client's goals. Would that would that map to you as well? Yes, yes. Um, okay, good. What I want to talk a little bit about, and um, I know we're going to talk more here about what does a coaching session look like and what does a good coaching client um, look like, so we're going to move into those questions. Um, I also want to make sure that all of our listeners know that on February the 5th, if they go to What Happy Coaches Know, they can hear you on our new program, talking about emotional intelligence and coaching uh, more in depth and uh, just don't want to miss the opportunity to make sure they they can get that. So if they go to What Happy Coaches Know on February the 5th, they'll be able to hear you live in a webinar as well. I think what I'm really excited, Kathy, about that is not only can we talk about this, but that you're doing a webinar, that there will be a series of slides that people will be able to get the visual input and then they'll also be able to download that. So that's a great adaption. Okay, good. So let's talk about what does a coaching session look like. Well, 
the first session is is typically the most challenging session. But I think uh, you want to develop rapport with the person. Sometimes there's been a referral either from their boss or HR, and we want to make sure that that the person being coached realizes that this is a confidential relationship. We will will express that to the HR person or their boss, saying for this to work, this is truly a development. It's it's private. It's confidential with the person being coached, and it's really for their development. So that's important to know that the information that you and I um, gather when we're coaching does not go anywhere else, doesn't go to HR. Um, so it's really this person's time. And so one of the keys is first developing rapport, having a sense of connection. I like to find out, uh, ask a lot of questions. What do they do? What's their challenges? <clears throat> um, really, what are some of their strengths? So it becomes an, an affirming uh, session, understanding who their people are. And, and then we, at the end of the session, after getting all that information, and typically I'll explain about the coaching process, like I said, confidentiality, me being a thinking partner, um, how long is it going to be, you know, how often do we meet. You know, typically it's a couple times a month, either in person or on a phone. If it's a phone, it may be uh, three sessions in a month. So all those kind of basic things, but highlighting their strengths. And um, at the end of the session, really coming up with what are two or three key goals that they want to work on that's going to help advance them in their career. I'll give you a couple examples, Kathy, that is typical um, that you see also. <clears throat> One may be becoming a, a better leader, and that may be developing their team. They may So we'll spend some time talking about their team. What are they doing with their team? We'll also talk about how are they developing others. So we'll go through each of the people that, that report to them. What are the specific challenges? What are the areas of strength? Ideally, trying to have them focus on strengths more, and are they utilizing the strengths of their people? Sometimes there's issues like managing up, managing their boss. Sometimes there's issues about work-life balance, like we mentioned earlier, time management, you know, from the whole self-management piece. Somebody may be leading a change initiative, and a lot of the effort may be helping them better lead the change initiative when they're leading people that they may not necessarily have power or influence over. They may be peers. So those are a variety of the kind of the things that can happen in a coaching session. And ideally, at the end of the first session, focusing on two or three of these key areas that they want to spend more time on. One of the things that I always talk to my coaching clients about um, is uh, what, what is necessary to find a coach and mm-hmm. what does a coach look like. Let's talk about that when we come back from our break, and um, maybe we can each give our insights on what a good coach looks like and how it feels when you have one. Okay. Line in Business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? 
you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for The Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm with Dr. Kathy Greenberg. And, Kathy, we wanted to move into um, and ask you, what should someone look for in finding a, a coach? So we've given a good idea of kind of what coaching is, what a coaching session, one session may look like. Um, typically it's ongoing sessions. But if someone's thinking about finding a coach, do you have some thoughts on what they should look for? Yeah, really. I, I call it the three C's of coaching, chemistry, capability, and competence. So let me talk a little bit about each of those. Chemistry is... Is this the right person for me? And I always tell my coaching clients, even if they've been told, oh, here's Kathy Greenberg, she's your new coach. (laughs) I say, okay, wait, let's step back a second. (laughs) Let's say hello. Let's introduce ourselves. Let's have a, a little conversation and decide whether my style you know, my way of being is going to work for you uh, because everybody knows that they're a good fit with certain personality types. And so I always give people an option, even if I've been the one that's been assigned to them. Would you like to interview another coach? And give them an opportunity to hear what other people might have to offer, but recognizing it's the style of the person, that chemistry, that connection, that charisma that's going to be a real underlying variable that's going to make a difference. The second is capability. Do they have uh, the skills and the tools to be able to really help that person? Now, you and I are going to talk a little bit before the end of the show about tools, and we know your book has over 100 tools in it. My book um, has uh, a number of tools in it that are very helpful to people. Um, I would say the basic 
tool that every coach should have coming into a coaching program is at least a profile tool that helps an individual look at their strengths. Um, I like to use a Talent Plus tool, which looks at um, the motivations in a very positive way so that you're building on what's working Mm -hmm. and not on your development needs right away. Let's talk about what's working first and how to build on that. And the last is competence. Do you have the experience and the knowledge? Have you done this enough to be able to really help someone? Do you have um, listening skills? Do you have demonstrating empathy skills? Do you have the asking questions and inquiring skills, enabling skills? Can you collaboratively problem solve? And can you provide good feed forward? (laughs) Can you give someone some good behavioral cues uh, that they can improve their performance with? So that's what I look for. How about you? Are there any distinctions? Let me just kind of add on to your three C's, um, I think are great, the chemistry, capability, and competence. The chemistry is, is really trusting yourself. Um, oh, that's a good one. And, and really, you know if you're connecting with someone. And if we look at kind of the brain chemistry, there is going to be a certain pattern or mirroring going on that you may just uh, internally say, yeah, I feel good with this person. Yeah. It's either the tone of voice, the questions, you know, those kind of things. So to trust that. But then on the competence piece, both you and I have gone through a certification in uh, coaching. And given that we both have doctorates, you know, there are many folks who don't have advanced degrees that are coaches. That I think the idea of of what are some of the training in coaching have they had? Both of us have graduated from a uh, certified ICF certified coaching program and have coaching certification. I think these days, Kathy, that's getting even more popular. So people looking for a coach should uh, say, "Are you certified as a coach?" And typically, the main certification is through the International Coaching Federation. Yeah, and I, I cannot underscore that enough, Riley. I, I know you and I are both certified coaches. Uh, you happen to have a degree uh, in, in psychology, and uh, you're a trained clinical practitioner as well, and I have a behavioral science degree. But there are a lot of people out there who are offering coaching right. who may be industry experts but not certified. But I would like to say that what we're trying to do in our webinar series, where you'll be featured on February the 5th at What Happy Coaches Know, is help frontline leaders develop coaching networks so that they can, in fact, learn these skills and tools through the webinar, through your books, through my books, and be better leaders as a result. But if you're going to hire a professional coach, I agree with you a thousand percent. You need to make sure that the person has the the background and the competence to be able to deliver on a structured mm-hmm. relationship. I think what that shows is the commitment. You know, both you and I have doctorates, like I mentioned, and I had a toy with, do I really need another certification? Do I need another uh, license and more hours, and then the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know that shows just the kind of the commitment and professionalism to the field. Absolutely. For those who are listening, in addition to the books that Rally and I offer, you know, please feel free to look at other books and see what they offer in terms of goals that you might be able uh, to set for yourselves in terms of learning more about coaching. Uh, John Whitmore has a pretty good book, very easy to read, called Coaching for Performance. Um, he uses the GROW model, goals, reality, options, and will, uh, looking at um, you know awareness and responsibility and the use of effective questioning. I'm sure, Relly, you have lots of books that you've referenced in the past. Yeah, I think um, I mentioned Richard Hargrove, and I think it's I think it's maybe Action Coaching. I think that's a good one. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot. I mean, on both our websites, there's a lot of information. Well, terrific. Well, let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the... Um, 
the content of a coaching process. Let's talk about the the coaching examples that you and I have both had. And uh, okay. why don't you go first, and then I'll throw yeah. one in. Let me let me give you. I'm going to give you a quick one of of what works, and then maybe what didn't work, and then we'll hear your case. Um, here, one was a case of of a woman uh, who is a kind of a supervisor, supervisor manager. She's moving up to being a director. Had a lot of complaints uh, from her people about being short with them, and um, you know not developing them. And she got a lot of feedback. And so I met with her individually, and then have been meeting with her and her team, and she's done a complete turnaround. She's embraced everything that I, I talk about as a tool. She turns into a program uh, with her people. Wow. So she has a whole recognition program that she started as a result of the coaching. She now has a whole training uh, and development where each of her key people, her, her direct reports, have a task force that they lead um, to really get them into the leadership piece. She has taken some of the tools around these short huddles in the morning and really has let other people lead those. So um, for me, it's been thrilling, and she's gotten great feedback. As a matter of fact, now she's just uh, feels good enough and has asked to be moved, promoted from a manager to a director in her organization. And, and a lot of it is she's, she's a star Aww. in the coaching. And I would say not everybody is like her. She's is what I call a customer. She's whatever I have, she wants to buy it, not only buy it, but impl- implement it and apply it. There's nothing better than a happy stakeholder who becomes a shareholder in the process. And see, that's how we, we create coaching networks. That's a fabulous story. Well, and let me share one other quick one, and we'll hear yours. Someone who didn't work was somebody, and I quickly assessed, a very, very bright man, the president of a company. Um, he and I have a lot of interests around psychology, and he's a, a communication expert. Um, but I realized we just kept going off on tangents, and uh, and I couldn't ever get to be the thinking partner. And in a sense, I ended up being the listener. And I eventually had to say to him, you know, I just don't think this is going to work. Don't evaluate how I am as a coach with what's going on with you and I. In a sense, I, he w- wasn't a customer. He wasn't allowing me space to kind of get in and work with him. So thanks a lot, and we'll um, be speaking with you folks again. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. 